Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the J.D. Rucker Show. I'm your host, J.D. Rucker, and we are, for the first time in a long time, we're having at least two. I might go ahead and have three guests. We'll see how it goes with the first guest, but uh, either either two or three guests today, and I know that's crazy, but that's part of the, the, the changes that we're making here at the show. You know, there was a time not too long ago when I was asking people, asking you all to help any way you could. Okay, by going to givesendgo.com slash JD Rucker. And I said one of the things that we needed to do was we needed to be able to hire a full-blown producer or a production company, as it as it turns out. We needed that because it's hard to run this show solo when you're trying to do the content, when you're trying to to book the guests, when you're trying to to control the the show dials and all that stuff live. And it's uh it's a pain, I'll admit. And so I was asking for help, and you all stepped up, and wonderfully so. And I was so blessed, so grateful to all of you for doing that. So next week, and you know, I, I don't even want to set a date because we keep pushing back, and it's definitely not their fault, but but we uh, we keep pushing back the day when we, we officially start uh, with the new producers, the new production team that will be be uh, running the show, the J.D. Rucker show going forward. Um, so I'm not going to set an exact date, but we'll just say sometime between – Next Monday and the Monday after that. And at that point, we'll be able to start doing these shows, not only obviously at a set time. We'll be doing them at uh, the the live show will go on at 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, Monday through Friday. We'll have a, a special show, a premium show that will go on at uh, 6 p.m. I'm sorry, 9 p.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Those shows will be two hours long. You'll be able to hear that. That second premium show over at America Out Loud Talk Radio, which you, you know, a lot of you are listening to me right now through America Out Loud Talk Radio, and I, I consider that a great blessing as well. But we're going to be doing a, as because I even asked, I said, hey, what do you guys think? Should we do a, a separate show for radio? Um, you guys said yes, so we're doing that. And that show will be a premium as well over at redvoicemedia.com. So if you want to sign up for for their premium channel, my premium channel will be going up there probably within two or three weeks. In the meantime, we'll we'll keep it free in the beginning, just as we get all the kinks out. I want to make sure that it is it is worth the premium. So so you'll be able to hear it, and you'll always be able to hear all of this stuff on Apple Podcasts. The video portion will be premium again for the for the late show, but the uh, the early show will always be free no matter what. And you can see that at Rumble, Bridie on Bitshoot. FreedomFirstNetwork.com, RedVoiceMedia.com, and all the other various places. I think we're on Odyssey and uh, uh, Getter and Gab, and I mean we're just we're, we're just we're growing, growing like a like a I don't know. Pick an analogy. There's so many growth analogies out there. One thing that's not growing though, unfortunately, is our economy. So that's one of the things that I'll be talking to Mr. Dean Kane about today. I know everybody, you know, listen. I've seen enough interviews of Dean Kane to to know that everybody talks oh tell us about hollywood tell us about you know what she did with with uh you know you went to high school with charlie sheen how's that about you know i'm thinking to myself my gosh okay yeah he's an actor and yeah he's the rare conservative actor in hollywood and i know that's interesting but this guy went to princeton okay this guy is not an intellectual slouch if you ever hear him when he does his many many things that he does with fox news for example he's definitely one of the good guys and he's definitely one of the smart guys so let's not just pigeonhole him into tell us about woke Hollywood. <laughs> you know, what was it like to date Brooke Shields? I'm not ripping. I get it. Okay. So 
So hold on before anybody gets mad at me. I'm not throwing stones. I'm not saying, oh, all these other show hosts that interview Dean Kane, they do it wrong. I'm just saying, I don't want to hear about that necessarily. I want to hear about, I want to hear what this guy's opinion is about things. He's been fighting online and fighting through these news channels, fighting socialism, fighting fighting against the, the rampant wokeness that's taking over society, not just in Hollywood, but I mean, just in real life. This is a guy who has dedicated his life as a father to being able to to raise his son, you know, by himself, essentially raise his son and do, do right by him because he wasn't, you know, he, he was, he didn't ever, I don't think he's ever met even his biological father. There's some, there are some many, 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 many more interesting things about Dean Kane than just his time as, uh, as Clark Kent in Lois and Clark, more interesting things than just his time as a three sport uh, star at Princeton university. This guy knows his stuff, and I want to dive into that. I want to tap his brain for that. We are also going to to play my interview with Carrie Lake, which yeah, that interview you might have already seen it. So, but I never put it on the live show. This was one that we we pre recorded, and I put the video out by itself. Of course, Carrie put it out there as well. A lot of people have already seen it, but I want to go ahead and include it in today's show for those of you who just watched the live show. So you'll be able to watch watch that and listen to that here as well and then we will be talking about everything that's happening over the world economic forum uh davos man it's just getting uglier and uglier and uglier worse than i ever thought okay worse than i'd seen and i've been following davos since long before anybody had ever well not anybody most people had even heard of the world economic forum i've been on their case for for years um just because they scared me <laughs> they still do so so there's that um what else we got today alec baldwin it's getting charged with involuntary manslaughter. Goodness gracious. Maybe I will ask Dean about that one. That's that's one. That's maybe the Hollywood question I'll ask him because that's uh, that's crazy stuff. He's also a law enforcement officer, too. So that does. So he does have perspectives, not just as a Hollywood guy, but also in law enforcement. So uh, after the break, we will be right back with Mr. Dean Kane. So stay tuned. My good friend, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, he left us way too early. I'm so sad that he is gone, uh, but his legacy does continue. We do still support his foundation. We still support his company that is still benefiting the, the masses across the world. Those who have either been jabbed or maybe you've been been um, exposed to those who may be shedding on you. That's uh, becoming more and more likely as being the case more times you're jabbed, the worse off you are, and the more you're likely to shed on others. Now, even if you've never been jabbed, you're not around other people very often, you should still consider getting Z-Detox or Z-Stack Life Protocol, either one. Both of them will help your immune system. It's been demonstrated by scientists, demonstrated by doctors, including Dr. Zev Zelenko. So go to ZStackLife.com slash freedom. That's ZStackLife. Dot com slash freedom again, Z Detox or Z Stack Life Protocol today. You know, when I was growing up, I was a big fan of Hollywood. Of course, in recent years, I've learned that Hollywood has gone completely woke and I kind of limit where I watch. And when I say kind of, the last movie I saw at the theaters was. 
uh, Top Gun, of course, and then prior to that, I couldn't even tell you. It's been years. But there's one guy who has been kind of an inspiration because he has bucked the trend of going woke all through Hollywood. He has been able to, throughout his career, be very, very successful while still maintaining a, a strong political view. And his political views will range sometimes, depending on whether you're talking about social issues or economic issues or socialism or anything like that. But in one way, he is extraordinarily aligned with with what we do here at the America First Movement. I'm very blessed, pleased and honored to have a, a very prominent man joining us today. His name is Dean Kane. Dean, how are you doing, sir? Doing very well. How are you today? Oh, I am great. I am fantastic. You know, things are looking up. Well, not really. But at least <laughs> we can hope that they're looking up. All right. Yeah, things are <laughs> trending in the right direction. Trending in the right direction. Sure. I think we were all expecting some some really big things in November, and, and that didn't materialize, and I don't want to talk about it. So <laughs> It hurts a little bit there, no doubt. Uh, it would have been does. nice to take the it Senate, does. but we do have the House, and having the House, and, and you know, there are a lot of people fighting with, you know, Speaker McCarthy. I happen to know him, and I like him. Um, he's a politician, yeah, so those things that happen, and but uh, but so far, he's off to a good start. He's um, I think he's coming out well, and those 20 other Republicans who sort of Held up um, things for a while there. Got their they got their spots on committees, and uh, I think it's going to be an interesting two years. I, everybody, everybody came out pretty well in that whole regard. You know, I wasn't. I'm not a huge fan of McCarthy, um, but I am totally willing to give him a chance. And there so far, is. hey, hey, I, I call it the way it is. I've been pleasantly surprised. Okay, so we're, we'll see how it goes. Maybe, pleasantly surprised is a, maybe is, he's is a good spot to be. <laughs> Very good. Absolutely. You know, you're an actor. You you're a producer, a director, a writer. Your your adult career after after uh leaving the Buffalo Bills, your your career has been really just a storybook in many ways. You've been able to do a whole lot, but you've you fought against woke culture even before it became known as woke culture in Hollywood. Knowing that, you know, you have also spoken out against socialism, communism, just the rise of neo-Marxism in general. Have you seen in your in your travels through Hollywood? Have you seen um, any direct influence from, say, like the Chinese Communist Party or or the World Economic Forum or any of the various wokesters out there? All these global elites, if you will, in that sense, for the World World Economic Forum, that thing to me, it just is terrifying. It's straight James Bond villain Klaus Schwab. It's it's terrifying. I mean, like you couldn't create a better James Bond villain than Klaus Schwab. Uh, it's, it's crazy. You know, for myself personally, I haven't seen a lot of, of, you know, influence from the CCP myself, but I've been over there. I've actually tried, there's, there's a movie I want to make over there that take talk, you know, it's a World War II epic that takes place in Shanghai. Um, and in order to do that, I would have to work with the, with the, the, the Chinese Communist Party. But in this particular film, the Chinese come off very well. Because that's the story, not because I was going to change it. You talked about earlier, the last movie you had seen was Top Gun Maverick. And there was a big hullabaloo about that because there was Chinese money apparently in that or in one of the companies. And so he removed a Taiwan sticker and uh, a Taiwan patch on his on his fight, the flight jacket and on his bomber jacket. And that was a big deal. But it went back in. And that film was very, very pro-America. And and it, it sort of bucked the woke culture in the end. Whoever made that decision. If it's Tom Cruise, God bless him. Um, and he has a lot to say on his films. But whoever made that decision did something very, very right. And and I applaud it. 
I'm sure there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than I can see because Hollywood is a very prostitutional like organization. I don't know if prostitutional like is a word, but uh, I didn't want to call them prostitutes. But in a sense, you know, if there's money there, they'll they'll make that deal and 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 they'll scream and talk about you know values and morals. But at the same time, if there's a lot of money, oh, the values and morals can go over here. And then we'll just make sure we get this done. That that happens a lot in Hollywood. There's lots of nefarious types like that. Then there's also some very virtuous folks, like four of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you are you have uh said about yourself and in the past, you've said that, you know, you're when it comes to social issues, you're kind of a leftist. I look at it more as a, a liberal, you know, a true liberal in the sense of liberty. Classics. You know, hey, somebody wants to be gay, they can be gay, basically. Yes, right? sir. But I've noticed in recent in recent weeks, recent months, recent years, I guess you can take it back, that you've engaged on more of a conservative angle from a cultural perspective, you know, looking at all this rampant wokeness, looking at the the supremacy agenda of some of the the more far left um aspects of quote unquote freedom. Was is is this a, a shift in you, or do you think that it's a shift where where you know they were they were at one point fighting for gay rights, and now it's like they're fighting for something bigger, badder, worse. What What are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, at, at, there was a time where it was a gay rights fight, and I have a lot of friends who are gay. I'm in Hollywood. I mean, every third person is probably gay, um, and some of my great friends are gay. And I played gay in a couple films. I have listen. If that's what an adult wants to do, great. But don't start dictating to other people how they have to use your pronouns and don't try to indoctrinate children. Being a father changed everything for me. My son is now 22 years old. And if some of these folks that I see on libs of TikTok, if I would have seen them in my son's classroom and listened to the things they were saying, we would have had a huge problem. It's not what you're supposed to be here to teach my child. And I'll be in class every single day. I will be there every day if this is what's going on. Or clearly I'll yank him out. I did end up yanking him out and putting him in a private Christian school because that's where I felt he was going to get the morals and the values that I wanted him to to listen to and to experience and you know go to chapel and have these conversations and hear all this stuff give him a framework from which he can operate um from virtue as opposed to you know what some of these woke things that are going on i mean i can't even get close to following the, the I, there was something i posted yesterday about someone saying this is sierra and my um, and, and when I talk about clown self, it's clown this, I'm like, what the heck? My head exploded. Clown self? I mean, what, what, I don't, I don't get it. Um, we've gone too far in that respect for sure. But I, you know, listen, I am in, a, in that sense, I'm very libertarian. I mean, like, seriously, do what you want to do as an adult. Go ahead. Have a blast. If you're an adult and you want to experience, you know, gender changing surgery, go ahead. But don't force it on a seven-year-old. Don't put it on an 18-year-old. Well, 18, you can do what you want. If you're 18, you want to do it, I'm going to advise you against it. But you can do what you want because you're considered an adult. Okay. But, I, you know, pushing this on, on younger kids. And there is a very clear agenda by by many. You saw what happened in Florida about those the, the gay couple that uh, were running a prostitution ring and a child uh, sex ring and, and abusing and raping their own children. And they were the face of, you know, um, no hate. Are you kidding me? That's the most hateful thing that could happen. I don't want to tell you what I, I I'm also a law enforcement officer, so I, I can't tell you. And I work against child predators. I, I can't, what I want to do to them. I can't, it's not legal and I wouldn't, but I'd be tempted because it's, it's, it's 
absolutely terrible. And that stuff should not be around our children. Well, I think any any good father would be tempted, and some of them would actually have to follow through depending upon what was being done and considering everything that is being done to our children in modern American society, this post-truth society that we find ourselves in, I wouldn't blame you. You know, speaking of fatherhood, you have become, I would say, one of the rare, um, I don't want to say icons, but you've been you've been exemplary in your your pursuit of being a good father. You considered your biological father to not be a very good father. Thankfully, you were adopted by a wonderful man who who taught you values, who taught you ins and outs, and and you promised, you swore that you were going to be a good father. And now your 22-year-old son, I think, would attest that you have been been very active in his life. What is your thought as far as fatherhood in America? You know, we, we can always say that, look, we've got these problems with, with teachers, we've got these problems with government, we've got these problems here or there. I've always said that one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem as far as driving rampant crime, driving this weirdness that's happening, is the lack of fathers in America that are active in their their ch- children's lives. Um, what do you say about that, sir? I say that's completely 100% correct. Having having a strong father growing up, and I, and I called my father dad from the moment I guess I met him. I was three when I met him. And I was just like, dad, dad, dad. A lot of heat on him. Bless him. Um, you know, you don't want to go on your first date with a woman and have the kids start calling you dad right away. It's a little, little presumptive. Um, a friend of mine, Alec Lace, does a podcast called um, First Class Fatherhood. And he came to me way at the beginning, the fledgling part of this, and said, hey, I see you really care about being a father. I talk about these things. And I said, absolutely, I'll come on and talk about it. Having lived through a situation where I'm so appreciative to have a father and looking at all the tough moments of my life um, and having my father there and his advice, and when I was straying from what I should be doing, which we all do, he was there. And having that strong fatherly figure was the greatest influence on my life. I named my son after him because of that influence. And my son is my best friend. He is my favorite human being on this planet. I talk to him, you know, not every single day because he's in college in North Carolina, but I talk to him pretty often. And every conversation ends with, I love you. Talk to you later. Okay. In front of his friends, I'll hug him and kiss him in front of his friends. He is a you know, he's imperfect as we all are, but he is such a wonderful human being. I'm so proud to be in his life. But, you know, listen to like Denzel Washington talk about, you know, if you're not, if the father's not in the household, the streets become the father and they learn those values and things. And he pushes for fatherhood. He happens to be my favorite actor and someone who I consider a friend. And I was able to work opposite him in a film called Out of Time. And he is, I think, the best actor of this generation by far. And he's my favorite actor, but he, he talks about that and it's really prevalent in, in black homes and it's unfortunate. It's terrible. Larry Elder, good friend of mine talks about the fatherhood problem all the time. And I know because my teammates, a lot of my friends are, you know, we go to their house for, for, for Christmas or something or for our Thanksgiving and there's no father in the house. It's grandma and mom. It's grandma doing a lot of the raising. And, and that's just, it's, we have too much of that here in the United States Fathers are, and it's, and part of it, look, I had to fight really hard to be a father. I had to fight my son's mother to get joint custody of my son. It cost me $1.5 million in legal fees here in California because something called a California equal footing law, they call, you know, because I could afford any attorney, therefore so could she, and I get to pay for it. I thought I changed my career to be a father because I know how important it was to me. There are a lot of people, the easy thing, and you get a lot, people get very angry. Fathers do this and go, screw this. I'm out. You're going to make it this tough for me to be a father. And I can understand 
that perspective, but it's the most valuable thing in the world. And, and if you're doing something from the government level, you should be doing things to encourage fatherhood, not encourage single moms to be on welfare and, and, and to divorce the father and marry the government. And unfortunately, that's what these compassionate social, social programs have done. Since you brought up economic issues, you talked about college, you know, you, I think a lot of times people say, oh, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood, you went to Princeton. Okay. You, you didn't just go to like some, some, uh, community college and, and study acting. And, and, you know, you know, the difference between the sun and the moon, unlike certain people in Hollywood. So, so, you did figure it out by age 40. Good job there. So, and you majored in history. And of course, you know, we are seeing historically speaking, we're making history every day with this this economy. Um, from your perspective, I know you're not an economist per se, but you're you're a very brilliant man. What do you see? I mean, are we looking towards an economic downturn, recession? Are we looking towards economic collapse? Perhaps what's what's our future hold? Well, you look at Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. You listen to John Kerry talking about this select group of people can save the world and all this sort of weirdness, and you realize. If you're just a regular person on the street, you don't have a shot. They're going to rig the rules. President Trump said it when he was running. He says, how do I know the system is rigged? Because I use the system. And the system works for those at the very top. And they make the rules. Hillary Clinton's making the rules and those tax laws and those things. It's terrifying as a regular everyday person. I'm not an economist. Uh, I've invested a lot of money in 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 uh, housing. Uh, I happen to own a number of homes. Um, I'm smart about it. I'm not ostentatious about things. I'm, I, I just think, you know, look, when, when in 1973 or 71, when, when I forget what it was, I was alive when President Nixon pulled us off the gold standard, mm-hmm. that changed everything. Cause what yeah. backs our money now? What backs it? Uh, and that's a scary thought. I, uh, um, I like, you know, something tangible. I like houses. I like gold and silver. I think those are, you see the commercials on TV. All the time. You see it going on. This year. What is that about? What is that about? And for a great example, I have a, what is it? 1924, $20 gold piece right here. I don't know if you can see that. There it is. And in 1924, this gold piece, um, this $20 gold piece could buy you a brand new top of the line, custom made tailored suit. Awesome. Now, if that was $20, a $20 bill could have bought you the same thing. Now, this thing here. Could still buy you that brand new tailor made suit, um, but uh, twenty dollars would buy you two cups of coffee. Um, so that's the difference. Um, and something like gold. So there's a funny saying with gold is like you don't wait to buy gold. You buy gold and wait. Um, and so things like that. When you look at a a, a a a government, it's terrifying to me because I live in California. So first of all, I can't be that intelligent to just use you as well. I mean, the taxes and the property taxes, and you're getting hit with every tax in the world. And, you know, when the government, when the federal government is just printing money, quantitative easing, all they're doing is reaching in every single person's pocket and making that dollar worth less. That's all they're doing. And it drives me bananas when I hear the government, Joe Biden say, well, I spent more money and blah, blah, blah. You spent more of our money. To do this or that. I, that's not where I would choose to spend it. You know, so it's, it makes me crazy. So that's why I like property. It's why I like gold. And I think that, uh, during a time like this, I've said, I tweeted, I don't know how long ago, a year ago or a year and a half ago about we're in a recession. And by all other measures, if we ever measured it by the same 
um, criteria as we've measured it in the past. We're in a recession, but now they change the terms, you know, so when they, they're, and they're constantly changing terms. It's not a recession. I didn't lie. I misre, I misre, I misremembered or whatever it happens to be. They're just changing terms left and right. We're in a recession. I'm terrified of what the government does. I'm terrified of the idea of a digital currency, uh, a social credit score. These things terrify me. You know, crypto used to be people talking about crypto being like, okay, we'll just invest in crypto. And it's a thing that the government, everybody likes it because the government couldn't regulate it. And all of a sudden, Sam Bankman freed oddness just torpedoes it and it's gone. It's lost like 65% of its value since, th- since I guess this year. I mean, it's crazy. So I look for things that are long-term people go like, how did you end up doing? Okay. You know, I changed my whole career when I have fought to be a father to have custody of my son. And I wouldn't, couldn't take work out of Los Angeles. I couldn't take the lead in any series. I couldn't do a movie that lasted over three weeks. And I chose that to be a father. Um, but I also invested intelligently. And I, and I'm terrified by the way things are going on. The reason I can survive and do things is because I've been smart with my money and I encourage others to do the same. Well, the best way they can do that, in my humble opinion, you know, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Jonathan Rose over at Genesis Gold Group. And I know that I work with him. Obviously, you can go to genesispreciousmetals.com and work with Jonathan directly, um, as both Dean and I do. Uh, but, but here's the thing, you know, when we're looking at, all of these these changes that are happening in the economy. There was a time when I wasn't into gold, and I know that that for a lot of us, we thought, oh, you know, the economy's great. Trump's got this covered. Well, <laughs> Trump's not there. The economy's not great, and it's heading in the wrong direction. So I know that I strongly encourage people to go to genesispreciousmetals.com to to talk there, uh, or to not talk to to talk to somebody. You know, you can fill out a form. You can give them a call. It's good stuff. You've worked recently started working with Jonathan over at Genesis Gold Group. Um, how's that going? I mean, is it how, how's the company? Oh, the company's fantastic. So Jonathan and I knew each other for for a while before we ever discussed any of this stuff. And he kept listening to me talk and here are the things I say. And you know, he said, you know, I work in gold and precious metals and things. And so it sounds like a lot of the things you say really align with what we say all the time. So let's let's talk about this. And we started talking about it. I was like, the things we talk about really align. You know, I happen to be Christian. Um, you know, that the, the rough, do you see the thing on the Russian Orthodox hockey player who didn't want to wear the gay pride shirt? Now, listen, I'm all for gay rights, but this guy is a Orthodox. It's like, it's, ask a Muslim to do it, right? That's not, they won't do it. It's against their religion. This guy's Russian Orthodox. He didn't want to do it. Um, I happen to be Christian. We were talking about Christianity and some other things. And, um, he said, you know, then, then Jonathan started talking about, you know, Hey, listen, the values and the things you talk about are exactly what we talk about at Genesis Gold Group. So come over and have a chat. Maybe we could work together. And, and cause these things, it's not like, um, I have to stretch to align with their values. So they, we, we line right up. Uh, and then I went in there and, and met everybody and what a great group. Um, I would feel so comfortable and I do feel so comfortable having a, having a, a, a number of my, a percentage of my assets in gold, especially at this time, gold and silver, it's a, it's, it, it's a no brainer when government is out of control. And when you're in a recession, when they're printing money, inflation's out of control. It's a, it's a no brainer. Look at people's IRAs and their 401ks. You know, that's, a, they're, they're, they're dropping in value. That's terrifying. There's people who are trying to live on that. All of a sudden you're worth less. You're worth 20% less. Congratulations. What happened? Government changed some policies. You've done nothing different. 
You know, and so that's why gold and silver is a great hedge. And I love that. It is a great hedge. I have one final question for you. And I do, once again, people go to genesispreciousmetals.com. Listen to Dean Kane. He knows what he's talking about. Um, one final question for you, sir. Um, well, first, before I get to that, did you hear that Alec Baldwin is getting criminally charged? I literally saw it on my on my t- uh, TV, I guess, for, uh, they say he might be charged for negligent homicide. No, no. Uh, Involuntary manslaughter. manslaughter. Involuntary manslaughter. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, that's, wow. A, that's a biggie. Um, as a, listen, I sit on the board of directors for the NRA. You know, I'm a, I'm a law enforcement officer. I'm a, sh- a sworn uh, deputy sheriff in Frederick County, Virginia. I'm a reserve police officer in Pocatello, Idaho. I shoot guns on, on film sets. I do sorts of things. They didn't follow protocols. There was some really stupid stuff that went on there. I don't think, I do think it was an accident. I do think it was negligent. Um, And I know Alec, I like Alec. I hate his political opinions, but I like the guy. He's a good guy. And, but what he's done, and he says some horrible things, which I don't support. But, um, you know, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I, I imagine it will get pled down. And, uh, but I, but there will be a, um, I'm sure there'll be a civil, I, I can't imagine criminally he'll be going to jail, but I imagine it'll get pled down and I imagine there'll be a civil case and it's going to cost a lot of money. It'll That's my guess. a lot of money. No, you're, I, you're absolutely right. So final question, sir. Look in the future. Obviously you've done, you've done professional football. You've done Hollywood. You've done philanthropy. You've done law enforcement. You've done so much in in a relatively young life, you still have decades, Lord. I sure hope so. You still have decades, <laughs> decades ahead for you. So, what does the future for Dean Kane hold? I mean, do you have any? Will you do, be a public servant? Could you run for mayor, governor, senator, president, or maybe Trump's vice president? Um, do you want to go into media? Maybe Fox News, maybe Newsmax, maybe you can go on my network or anything like that. Or is it? You know what? You're you're just going to keep going with what you're doing. And hold steady there. What does the future for Dean Kane look like? Looks very bright. I should put sunglasses on. Uh, no, um, I like to do a little bit of everything. Even in college, I was a three-sport athlete. You know, I wasn't just a football player. I captained the volleyball team. I ran track. Um, I like to do a lot of different things. Otherwise, I just feel too pigeonholed. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a producer. I'm a director. I'm an actor. Sometimes I want to write. Sometimes I want to produce. Sometimes I want to direct. I teach over at my son's uh, college, filmmaking and acting and writing. And so I'll have, you know, it's, it's wonderful to do a bit of everything. I love being a law enforcement officer and standing with our men and women in, in, in blue and in uniform. They're fantastic people. I want to get my EMT certification. I want to just keep on doing more things. Um, but, uh, I really enjoyed, I directed my first movie last year. I wrote, produced, directed it. I really enjoyed that. I think there's going to be a lot more directing in my future as much acting. Absolutely. Um, but I prefer. You know, directing, overacting. I don't mind doing both, but I, I love the ability to storytell. When you're a director, you're putting the clay piece together. You're telling the story, and there's just something magical about that. And you make people feel. You do it as an actor, and you do it as a, a you know, as an artist in that sense. But it's not the same as because I, when you're in the editing room and you're moving, we're going to change to this shot. Look how the eye tears up. I can see the emotion. All that sort of stuff. You're playing. You know, not God in a sense, but you're 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 the one di- telling the story, and I love doing that. My father's a director, so uh, I'd like to do a picture with him. He's in his in his late seventies, so he's like, I think I got one more in me. And I go, come on, Dad, let's go. I can't, that would just be a dream for me to work with my dad in a picture. Um, and so 
I, I, I like doing everything. I'm going to continue doing all of it and adding to it. Now, as far as political aspirations, politics, you know, you think Hollywood's ugly. Woo! Politics are horrible, <laughs> horribly ugly. Uh, there's a possibility that I get involved, but only because I want to serve. I don't want to do this become Nancy Pelosi and sit in office and enrich myself for 97 years. I think that's disgusting. I do believe there should be term limits. I believe we should come into office, do something and get out. But people get so enamored with the money and the power. And there is money. You can't, there's so much money around it because everyone wants to peddle influence. And that's what it is. Um, and that's why people stay in there for so long. I would go in to serve and get out. The idea of being governor of California, boy, if I could do it for four years and change things like, you know, catch some of this rainwater that's pouring down in California right now, where 93% of it runs right back in the ocean because we're trying to save seven Delta smelt. I mean, stuff like that just blows my brain. Um, so I, I, that sort of stuff and the, and, and the huge water, you know, bills, the bills that I get here in Malibu, California for my water are people are like, that's my, that's my mortgage payment. I, I, welcome to California. It's, it's crazy. So I would do it to serve. I love what governor Abbott's doing in Texas, trying to relieve property taxes there because they have a budget surplus. Fantastic. We had a 90 feet, 5 billion budget surplus here last year. And Gavin Newsom turned that into a $25 billion deficit by creating these stupid social programs, handing it out, doing, I mean, they just, it's just, it's just nuts. So, um, uh, that's what I would do if I ran for governor or a federal office, maybe a senator, uh, president, boy, that's the worst job on the planet. But if I thought I could do some good, who knows? Everything's open in the future. And I may give the, I may just say no to all the political stuff, but I do talk politics because there's this saying, you may not be interested in politics, but I promise you politics is interested in you and it's going to affect your life. And all I want to do is make things better for citizens here in California and in the United States. Well, I am going to start the draft Dean Kane move. We're going to get you into because I, I, as much as you do already, I want to see, I want to see what you can do as a public servant. So that's a, that's a fair warning, sir. That's the only warning you're going to get. <laughs> I'll take it. Dean Kane, everybody. Dean Kane, thank you, brother, for being on. It is a blessing and an honor. Um, and, and, uh, thank you also for, for promoting Genesis, preciousmetals.com. Great, great company, Christian company. Love them over there. After the break, we will be here with, uh, with Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake will be joining us. So everybody stay tuned. Folks, if you were listening to this show, watching this show, chances are you have MyPillow products. I'm here to tell you that you need more. And the reason being is, well, twofold. Number one, because there's some amazing sales going on at MyPillow.com right now. But number two, because, frankly, they're hurting. I don't want to, I'm not saying this, I'll probably get in trouble for even saying it, but I can tell you based upon sales, I can tell you based upon reactions that I've been receiving from other other show hosts, other other, uh, conservative news outlets that my pillow sales have gone down dramatically. They are hurting just like the rest of us. I mean, many of us are hurting. Vast majority of us are hurting. But if you can, whether you've got a my pillow or not, take a moment, support this America First company, support Mike Lindell, support the show by going to mypillow.com and using promo code JDR. That's mypillow.com promo code JDR or call 1-800-862-0382. That's 1-800-862-0382. Promo code JDR. Help out two America First companies.
So I'm going to throw everybody a curveball. I know that we were expecting Carrie Lake to come on, but I thought during the break, I thought it behooved me to contact Jonathan Rose over at Genesis Gold Group and see if he could come on. It would be a perfect follow-up um, to my interview with Dean Kane. So Carrie Lake is going to have to wait, and it's okay because she isn't actually waiting. I pre-recorded that interview, so spoiler alert. So we'll get to Carrie Lake's interview here in a moment, but I first want to bring on my next guest, Mr. Jonathan Rose. Jonathan, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, JD. Pleasure to uh, see you again and be here. Absolutely. So, just had Dean Kane on, mutual friend. Uh, he had some great things to say about you. He's, he he had some he had a nice gold coin that he he wanted to to show on camera, which I hope it got picked up very well because it's uh, it's you know I mean they're so they're so awesome these coins and stuff like that. We talked about the economy. And I wanted that's what prompted me to to want to bring you on first before we get to to anything else. You know, you've been telling me things about the economy, uh, telling me sort of a direction. And I know yeah, I'm not a financial advisor, but I read up on gold and silver constantly. Mm-hmm. And everything that I'm reading, it seems to be, you know, crossing fingers here, but it seems to be looking very, very positive for gold and silver in 2023 and beyond. Let's be clear. We're not just, you know, anybody who wants to get into gold and silver for the sake of, hey, you know, I'm going to get in and get out real quick. You know, those those days, that's that's silly. You need to, as Dean Cain said, and as you said many times, you don't wait to buy gold, you buy gold and wait. So, and people can learn more about that by going to genesispreciousmetals.com. But I wanted to, to bring you on to talk a little bit further about the economy and about self-directed IRAs and everything like that, because Dean gave us the, the overview on gold. What are you seeing? What's the, what's the word on the street right now about, you know, the gold and silver uh, going forward? Yeah. And I'm glad, you know, Dean came on to talk to you too. He's, he's a, a true patriot and uh, I really like Dean, but uh, I mean, the word right now, I mean, you, you turn on the news and there's something new related to the economy. And I think what's at the forefront and, and the freshest news to do with what's happening with this Wall Street casino is basically the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling um, has to be raised again. Uh, this is a big concern because it's all a part of this, what I call the everything bubble. When we're seeing crashes throughout the years, you know, they've been singular events, right? So whether it's the dot-com crash, the housing market, liquidity crisis, quantitative easing, there's been various triggers over the years that have caused uh, a scenario where there's been a negative effect, whether it's devaluation of the dollar, the stock market taking dramatic drops, and people are asking, well, what's next? Well, what's next is this everything bubble. And it literally is in its namesake. It's everything that's happening with the world right now, whether it's tensions and, and wars with Russia and Ukraine, uh, whether it's the, the dollar becoming worth less and less every year due to sky high inflation, whether it's to do with infl- inflation rates skyrocketing, or whether it's to do with something that I am a, a very, you know, very proactive talking about, and that's debt. Uh, and that's really, you know, if you read today's headlines, whether it be on on Fox, Bloomberg, or Reuters, they're talking about the debt ceiling where they have to keep raising the debt to keep the country going. And the best way I can explain it to people, most of us have credit cards, and I like to think most of us are responsible, you know, managing credit cards. However, if you had a credit card and you kept spending, 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 and and you didn't pay your bills, well, what happens to an individual? It's not a very pretty scenario. You know, well, first of all, they cut you off. 
then you would receive bad credit, right? We do, you know, the, the credit agencies wouldn't want to touch you. You wouldn't be able to pay your bills. And worst case scenario, you're kicked out on the street and, and you're homeless. God forbid. So it's the same scenario with the US government. You know, we can't pay our bills. We can get downgraded by Moody's, which is the, uh, the rating of, of the dollar, which backs it. Uh, you know, in good faith, we trust. Well, people aren't going to trust the US dollar. Um, if the world economy isn't trusting it because we can't pay our bills. So this everything bubble really also affects debt. And you can only, you know, with debt, you can only kick the can so far down the road before you kick it and you go out and you stub, stub your toe. So, you know, debt printing and money printing can't go on forever. There has to be repercussions and there's going to be severe ramifications. And a lot of the top economists, top experts, even banks now, they're standing on their soapboxes and saying, look, this is going to lead to a financial crisis. The people that are losing out the most are people who have 401ks and IRAs. Specifically, even if you're going to be a government-employed worker, their IRAs and 401ks can actually be decimated because those assets can be frozen by the government. So a lot of clients that we speak to who have these type of retirement accounts are seeing more than a 10% decline in a quarter. Well, if you don't do anything about that, well, 10% per quarter, you're down 40% per year. And and that's the unthinkable. And that shouldn't be a position where people who are retiring or are getting ready to retire should be. So, so what are the alternatives? Well, if you stay in cash, obviously, people bring up the argument, well, you're in cash, but inflation is eroding the purchasing power. So you can go down the list of, you know, risky assets to secure assets. And when you kind of, you know, it's like that food chart that's a pyramid, like what's the base? And that base is precious metals such as gold and silver. And people are, you know, waking up to the fact that you can protect your IRA, you can protect your 401k, and you can do a tax-free rollover and protect those assets that you've worked hard for, right? And you want to contribute to every year and make sure it's there when you need it most and put it where I feel is the safest place in this environment. And that's in physical gold and silver. And, and really, when you say the word on the street, it's debt. Debt does matter. And, and, you know, it's like an equation. Before you can move on to the next part, you have to understand the top answer. And, and really that is, you know, how do you protect yourself? And, and again, um, it's it's with the yellow metal and it's also silver, which in my opinion is extremely undervalued right now and, and a great buy. I would agree. And I, I've got my silver here. <laughs> Not much of it, granted. We're still trying to get more, but but I've got I've got a little bit of silver here. You know, I had Ed Dowd oh, on the, the show, former BlackRock guy. Yep. He's been, you know, the, the dude knows his stuff when it comes to the economy. And I'd asked him about this stuff and he was very adamant about the idea of not just precious metals physical precious metals now i've you know i've I've talked to a lot of people about retirement i've talked to a lot of people i've talked to my my well not son-in-law potential future son-in-law we'll see how that goes um about his you know old 401k and he's like yeah it's just sitting there it keeps losing i'm like well hey you know talk to jonathan over at genesispreciousmetals.com so hopefully you'll get a call from him soon but the point is is that is that I think a lot of people are sitting there, they're looking at their retirement funds, they're looking at maybe old 401ks, there's dozens of different types of retirement funds that they have that they could, if they were doing it smart, and if they were watching what's happening in the economy, they could roll it over into a self-directed IRA. 
briefly, if you will, just walk us through the process, because I think a lot of times when people hear of like a gold IRA or, or a silver IRA or self-direct, you know, they think, oh, well, that's paper gold, but it's not. It is actually physical precious metals, is it not? Yeah, with, with a self-directed IRA, the main difference is, is it a self-directed IRA gives you more options. So with a traditional IRA, you're currently in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever we've kind of been thrown into over the years. With a self-directed IRA, you have more choices. So, you know, you probably have heard over the years people have real estate in an IRA. You can put mineral rights, oil rights, water rights, precious metals, cryptocurrencies. Probably wouldn't recommend that. But, you know, precious metals is an asset that is allowed by the IRS uh, to be housed in an IRA. In terms of how does the process work, it's it's pretty simple. When we speak to people, identify what they're holding, see who their current custodian is. And then when we get to that point where, okay, well, here's the green light. What do we do next? Uh, they will then speak to one of uh, our, our highly specialized trained people in our IRA processing department. And they will call their contact, the custodian, um, with the clients on the phone. And the first step is really getting you into a cash position. So that cash position really takes away the risk of you still being uh, associated with paper paper assets. And then we would set you up with a highly specialized trust company, a trust company that's been in business for 40 years that we highly recommend. And once that highly specialized trust company has been established, the rollover from A to B happens with those funds, keeping them tax deferred. At that point, that's when someone like myself or one of our valued uh, members here at the company will, you know, really have a phone conversation and we call it a metals consult, a metals consultation, and then really start discussing how much gold, how much silver, you know, is it platinum? Is it palladium? Because there are a few precious metals that you can put into your IRA. So, you know, we let people lean on our years of experience. I've been doing this for over 25 years and, you know, a lot of the press and media come to me for you know media updates on on the outlooks of gold and silver so we will definitely give our recommendations other people are very adamant on what they want in there and i kind of tell people we're just the navigators you're the captain so ideally what people want to put in there um, that's what we're here to do and then when the metals get purchased they get moved into the ira and those metals are stored in a licensed depository backed by major exchanges with also insurance through Lloyds of London of up to um, $100 million. So the metals are stored in a depository. The reporting happens with your custodian. So you still get statements just like you do now. The only difference is, is rather than being now invested in paper equities that we see are unfortunately, you know, trending downwards, you know, you have physical gold and silver in your portfolio. And it's literally as simple as that. So if people want to know or or inquire or have more questions about protecting an IRA, or maybe you have an old 401k from a previous employer that's sitting there and you're opening those statements and you're not liking what you're seeing, then, you know, please give Genesis Gold Group a call and we'll be more than happy to assist you and and, and let you understand what the next steps look like. Absolutely. And they can find your number and or just contact you through a contact form over at genesisprecious.metals.com. You know, <clears throat> You say, and, and that was a lie. Look, as somebody who I don't like have, uh, I don't have a lot of retirement accounts. Okay. I've always been kind of in business for myself. You know, uh, maybe, maybe uh, I'm, I'm not uh, as smart as other people with, with 401ks or anything like that. But what, 
I would say most, most Americans, whether they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, they have some sort of retirement accounts. What sort of retirement accounts can they roll over? Or can you help them, I should say, roll over into, into a self-directed IRA? Good question. So if it's a government plan, you can roll it over. Traditional IRAs, uh, SEP, Roth, TSPs. If it's housed in a legal entity that's you know uh, requiring it to be IRS, IRA regulated, then chances are 99.9% of the time, you can roll that over tax-free, tax-deferred. And something that I actually... Uh, I think it's a huge benefit when it comes to self-directed IRAs and putting precious metals in there is at some point people are going to liquidate these IRAs, right? You know, whether it's an emergency, fix a leaky roof, who knows, or, or you take RMDs, required mandatory distributions. You know, this is the part that's interesting because at that point in time, you can cash out a portion of your IRA, whether it's in gold or silver, take the cash value, that fiat value, the greenbacks and and, and be a recipient of that money to you. Or you can also at that point cash out, but take possession of the metal. And that's what a lot of our clients do. They will slowly do these required mandatory distributions, but by holding the metal, they get delivered it to them. And that is actually a, a huge plus in terms of protecting your finances and, and really trying to bulletproof it for the future. That is brilliant, actually. So like they have these required distributions that they they have to take uh yeah. government forces them to take it at a certain ages mm-hmm. and so instead of you know taking it and now they got to pay taxes on on cash and then they can actually just have physical precious metals from the depository take a portion of what they've they've purchased through through genesis gold group have it physically sent to their home and then they, they've got it and they can just put it in their safe or something is that what yeah, you're saying absolutely. it's a part of their distribution rather than take it in in greenbacks, fiat, they can take it in the metals. And I would probably say, you know, 90 to 95% of our clients actually, you know, go through with that process. And uh, to me, that's that's smart. Smart money. Sounds like very smart money. My final question for you, sir. Yes. And for those who, who join late, I'm speaking to Jonathan Rose at Genesis Gold Group. You can find them at genesispreciousmetals.com. My final question to you, sir, you know, and Dean had mentioned this during your call. You know, I am a I'm a man of faith. Dean Kane is a man of faith. You are a man of faith. Your organization, Genesis, is based on Genesis from the Bible. And you are unabashedly, you know, you guys focus on on faith-driven stewardship of money. Tell us more about that. What is that exactly? I mean, how do you see what is what does that mean? Faith-based stewardship of of our of our money and our property. Well, we always want to be a good steward of our money. I mean, you want to make sure that you're making the wrong, the right decisions, not the wrong decisions. And it takes a certain amount of fortitude and, and really a strong backbone to kind of make a step in the right direction when it comes to investments. And, and I would say, you know, we're not the largest firm out there. We're not the smallest, but we're a strong group of 20 people here at Genesis and we're all like-minded people and we're all faith-based driven. Uh, in fact, we have two pastors that work for us and work with charities. That is something else that we won't have time to get into. But when clients come aboard, they kind of go down what I call the assembly line and they start speaking to different people within our company. And what they'll find is that everyone is extremely well-versed and educated in the each specific field within in the company. So it's really faith-based stewardship is for us to do what's right for the customer 
uh, to do what's right with one's money and also to have the right type of people kind of shielding you around that to help you make the correct recommendations and kind of like lead you along the right path. So it's something, you know, we believe in. Uh, we never, you know, lead with this, but when people kind of get to know us and they, you know, peel the onion layers back a little bit and see what we stand for, see what our morals and our virtues are, you know, they line up with their opinions and beliefs. And, and that's what makes a great relationship between, you know, clients and, and Genesis Gold Group, because we don't just want to service people today. You know, this is, I believe gold can be generational wealth. So we want to be able to serve today's customers and, you know, their sons and daughters customers also, because gold is always going to be an integral part of a balanced portfolio. It's never going to go out of fashion. It once nearly did when Bitcoin came in and everyone was like, Bitcoin's the new gold. And we know how that ended up. And now everyone's kind of coming back to gold and saying, well, you know, it's tangible. It's never been worth zero. You should be holding it into your portfolio. I've never, ever wavered from that belief. You know, gold has been around since the dawn of civilizations. And fortunately or unfortunately, you know, civilizations have come and gone on on, on money and, and on gold and build, build on those pillars. Uh, but today it plays a crucial, crucial role. And in this world of uh, unspiraling uncertainty and this kind of fabric that we keep pulling on, on this economy that's about to also unspiral, I think gold as I mentioned, is an integral part of a portfolio and, and just having an understanding uh, and being a good steward with your money kind of really comes back to what Genesis Gold Group is all about. Very good, very good, very good. Jonathan Rose with Genesis Gold Group. You can contact them by going to genesispreciousmetals.com. They've got a, got a phone number there. you got a contact form. Get in contact with Jonathan. Figure out what to do with, with your your. IRA, 401ks, the TSP reports, I don't know, all those various things that, that they they specialize in that I don't know a whole lot about, but I do know that they are an America first company. I do know they are patriots, and I do know that they are driven by faith in our, our God. So I greatly appreciate them. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, J.D. I appreciate it. Absolutely. After the break, as promised, we will have Carrie Lake. But first, I want to get into a little bit of what Jonathan was was alluding to when it comes to the economy. You know, they're meeting in Davos right now, and that's looking uglier. And I mean, as bad as I thought it has been in the past with the World Economic Forum and the direction they want to take the world, it's actually worse this year. By far, not even close. This is the things they're talking about right now should make you not just cringe, but it should make you cower. It should make you so concerned about the future of the United States of America and of the world that you want to do something about it. And hopefully we'll be able to do something about it. So we'll be talking about that right after the break. So let's be honest. The vast majority of long-term storage, survival food, prepper food, is just awful. I mean, it just tastes, tastes really, really bad. And uh, that's why they expect us to to eat during the the apocalypse. Well, if the crap hits the fan, I'm going to actually be eating good food. I go to LatePrepper.com, a website that I built based upon two partnerships, the two companies that produce actually really good food. No need to set up a bulk discount. Doesn't matter whether you buy one or ten. There's no no hidden fees here. As a matter of fact, we charge the same price that the the source companies charge. The difference is we actually have exclusive discounts. Use promo code. Prep 2023 for 10% off, or for the you big spenders, 
use code PREP2030 for 15% off on orders of $777 or more. Go to LatePrepper.com and eat well for the apocalypse. Folks, the majority of our pharmaceuticals, the ingredients in them, come from China. They are controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. We're already seeing supply chain issues. Pharmacies are running low on a lot of things. And if the crap hits the fan, as a lot of us think it may in the very near future, you will want antibiotics. And the best way to get that is to go to jdrucker.com slash meds. You'll be able to get a teleconference with an actual doctor, and then they'll send you meds. They'll send you like five different versions or types of antibiotics for the different ailments that could that could hit us. These are great for long-term storage. You will you will want them. And it's one of those things where if you if you need them, then you'll want them. If you don't need them, then at least you'll have them. So, and here's the thing, if you don't have them, you're almost certainly going to need them at least sometime in the near future. So, jdrucker.com/meds I love interviewing Jonathan Rose, and now I love interviewing Dean Kane. Both of them are, are very brilliant when it comes to a lot of things, especially when it comes to the economy. I take advice from now both. That's the first time I ever actually talked to, to Dean Kane about that stuff. Um, but it's funny because, obviously, Genesis Precious Metals at GenesisPreciousMetals.com, they are an advertiser. And we've been able to, for this show, we've been able to insulate ourselves a bit from cancel culture by only working with advertisers that are at the very least neutral uh, but preferably America first patriot companies so and I would say Genesis Gold Group definitely falls under that category but at the World Economic Forum they are now recommending to companies that, that they should not ever pull your money pull down your advertising oh and this is the uh, the CEO I believe at one of the one of the uh, biggest PR firm. So let's let's hear what he's telling the the Davos crowd today. So I think the first thing that because um, I mostly work with business that business needs to do is deprive um, platforms that spread disinformation of oxygen. Stop advertising. Pull your promotion money. Make sure that they understand that they have a consequential impact on society and. The boycott of Twitter for several months has had a modest, modest impact. But I think the Facebook one failed. And but the necessity of getting it right in the platforms that are probably primary source information for a third to 40 percent of people is urgent. Yes, yes. They want to cancel us. They want us to to no not exist. I mean, let's let's call it what it is. They really just don't want us to exist. They don't want anyone in conservative or alternative media to be calling them out for what they're doing, to be speaking the truth because they know it's the truth. Okay, and they're even warning of something. And this is this one. I would say this ranks up there. What I'm about to play for you ranks up there as one of the most. Uh, I don't want to say scary, but discouraging ideas because they're talking about a future cyber attack. And I've said, you know, you want to look, uh, gosh, it's been a year now probably since I did a video about about how I believe that the globalist leak ball and the World Economic Forum in particular, they are, and well, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism is 
in particular, they are working on. I have no proof. This is conspiracy theory. This is my opinion, but I think they're working on a cyber attack. I think that they want to to be able to utilize the cyber attack as nail in the coffin for the global economy, for for capitalism as we know it, for the dollar, so they can usher in the digital dollar, central bank digital currencies, which those are almost inevitable at this stage. Unless we're able to really rally together and and God says, no, (laughs) you guys can't do that. Unless that were to happen, I would say that it's inevitable anyway. But I do think that they are on a time schedule, and so they might try to rush it by forcing a massive cyber attack that could take down the Internet for days, weeks, even months, maybe indefinitely. And that would, of course... I mean, unfortunately, because of the the nature of our economy, that would that would destroy us. Okay, that would destroy this nation. We have, as a nation, become dependent on digital access for everything that has to do with money. A lot of things that have nothing to do with money. We rely on the internet. You're watching this on the internet. You know how do you shut down the truth? Well, you take control of anybody who's who you don't control, or you eliminate them if you can. So. So here's here's some terrifying stuff. We're here today to share the findings of the World Economic Forum's uh, Global Security Outlook uh, Report 2023. This is a result of uh, research in collaboration with the forum's communities and our partner Accenture, which we've uh, interviewed and sought input from over 300 executives globally. The most striking finding that we found is that 93% of cyber leaders – and 86% of cyber business leaders believe that the geopolitical instability makes a catastrophic cyber event likely in the next two years. Two years, huh? You know, part of the playbook, for those who have not been paying attention for the last, well, ever, forever, <laughs> the playbook goes like this, and this is the, the global elite cabal and how they do it. They... They devise a plan on how they want to attack us or attack whatever, attack a media, attack attack people, attack economies, attack governments, uh, stage a coup, whether it's through their deep state proxies within the CIA or whoever, you know, any any of the various intelligence agencies that work with them, or if it's through you know, the, the bankers, the central bankers, the, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the the globalist elites, the Bill Gateses of the world. And of course, then you've got big pharma, big tech. Long story short is whatever their conspiracy is, and it is a conspiracy, okay? If you want to say, oh, you know, conspiracy theories are bad. I don't think they're bad because right now all we have are our ideas. All we have is speculation based upon based upon analyzing what's happening and looking at history and, and projecting, using putting our evil genius caps on every now and then and saying, hmm, what would I do if I were Klaus Schwab? Or what would I do if I were George Soros or Bill Gates or Barack Obama or anybody else? What would I do to, to bring about the Great Reset? So what they do is they devise this plan. And then, then they warn you about it. They do it every time. Okay? They will have like some kind of, some kind of event where, oh, you know, we're going to predict that that this is how what's going to happen if there's a uh, if there's a global coronavirus pandemic, and then a few months later there's a global pro- coronavirus pandemic. So I take it seriously when they say, you know, within the next two years there's there's probably going to be a massive wide scale cyber attack. It's coming, okay? It's coming. That's one of the reasons, folks. It's look, it's no secret that I am a late prepper. That I'm big on prepping uh, now more than ever. And that's why I created a, a page specifically with companies that 
that have things that you need to to prepare. Okay, I've never been a doomsday prepper in my life. I don't have have all the the prepper gear and and the bunker, and I'm not living off the grid. We're we're trying, we're trying to get there, but we were late to the game. So um, to help both me and my family as well as you, you can go to jdrucker.com/prepare, and there's all sorts of stuff there that you can and should consider with whatever you've got. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm a big fan of, of never asking any, anybody to go outside of their means, but try to make the means to get yourself extra food. Okay. To get yourself whatever. There's so many things that we need ammunition, water, meds. Be ready because they are planning this stuff. And unfortunately, they might be talking about it openly and publicly at Davos, but that's not, that's not their game. They, they're talking to, what they believe is a sympathetic audience, and for the most part, it is. And unfortunately, they will not talk to anybody outside of their their con- circle of control, their circle of influence. So when a journalist again can get in front of them, they will not answer the question ever, 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 ever. Here's an example. Let's play one. I can just walk and ask you. Yeah, we're not. Thank you. No, sorry, we're in a big rush. We've got so many things tonight. But, but for us, but it's, thank very, you. it's very. Uh, I know, I know, I know. You can, I can, he's got so many people stopping that if you were to stop for everything, we win. That's the unfortunate. So I'm very sorry, but thank Uh, you. But thank you for trying. Do do you know the voice that uh, worry about globalism? Thank you. Thank you. Nice evening. Thank you. Thank you. That, that was, that was hard to watch. It's like, come on, man. You know, just, just answer the, in the time that you spent, Saying that you can't answer the question, you could have heard and answered the question already. We don't. We still don't know what the damn question was. Why? Because oh, you're just too important. Too much time. You know, they got the 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 handler there saying, "Oh, if we stop for everybody, then it, oh, give me a break. Stop it. Just just say, look, you might, I would I would actually have some respect for them if they said, "Oh, you're an independent, so we're not going to talk to you because we don't control you." And that's essentially, if you notice, that's what Klaus Schwab said. He's like, oh, no, no, never mind. I don't want to, you know, worry who you with. I'm an independent. Oh, okay. Well, no. <laughs> Shut that down immediately. Here's another one. And these are the guys from Rebel News. Uh, these guys are fantastic. I I wish that I, well, not wish. I am striving to get to the point to where I have the budget to where I, too, can go to Davos and uh, <laughs> and put a microphone in front of in front of uh, Albert Borla's face and ask him questions. He did answer one by saying, have a nice day. So otherwise the questions themselves are, are the, the meat and the juice here. Great questions, by the way, let's play that. Mr. Borla, can I ask you, 
when did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. I'm sorry. To that question. I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%. But we now know that the vaccines do not trans- stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? Have a nice day. I won't have a nice day until I know the answer. Why did you keep it a secret that your vaccine did not stop transmission? Is it time to apologize to the world, sir, to give refunds back to the countries that poured all their money into your vaccine that doesn't work, your ineffective vaccine? Yeah, you have a little bit of rain. Are you not ashamed of what you've done in the last couple of years? Do you have any apologies to the public, sir? Are you proud of it? You've made millions on the backs of people's entire livelihoods. How does that feel to walk the streets as a millionaire on the backs of the regular person at home in Australia, in England, in Canada? What do you think about on your yacht, sir? What do you think about on your private jet? Are you worried about product liability? Are you worried about myocarditis? What about the sudden deaths? What do you have to say about young men dropping dead of heart attacks every day? Why won't you answer these basic questions? No apologies, sir. Do you you think you should be charged criminally for... For some of the criminal behavior you've obviously been a part of. How much money have you personally made off the vaccine? How many boosters do you think it'll take for you to be happy enough with your earnings? Nothing. Who did you meet with here in secret? Will you disclose who you met with? Who did you pay commissions to? In the past, Pfizer has paid $2.3 billion in fines for deceptive marketing. Have you engaged in that same conduct again? Are you under investigation like you were before for your deceptive marketing, sir? If any other product in the world doesn't work as promised, you get a refund. Should you not refund to countries that laid out billions for your ineffective vaccine. Are you used to only sympathetic media so you don't know how to answer any questions? Shame on you, sir. Shame on you. That's Albert Bula, the boss of Pfizer. His people were pushing us around a little bit. Mate, he's pretty fit. I don't reckon he's had one jab. I'm huffing and puffing a bit. At least I didn't have any myocarditis. Um, I, I, I dare say he's shocked that in his safe space at the WEF here in Davos that he was challenged in a way that he's never to date been challenged. Well, that's the thing. We're not accredited media here. We're on the outside of the perimeter. So he's only used to the softballs from CNN and MSNBC and people like that. No, Albert Borla has never been asked a serious question by a serious journalist, only those who give him softballs. I actually have one. I need to find it before. Okay, so after the break, I'm going to replay the interview that I did with Carrie Lake. Okay, I've got to get that out there to the live audience because, you know, I put it out separately and I actually regret it. I wish I would have 
just done it live. Anyway, long story short, I, I didn't regret putting it out, by the way, because she shared it. It's, it's been viewed by a lot of people, but um, I wish that I would have put it with a bigger show. So we're going to correct that, and we're going to put it with today's show. So you can, you who uh, who watch the live show, you'll be able to, or listen to the live show, you'll be able to to hear that that very important interview with Carrie Lake. Uh, while that's playing, I'm going to seek out the video that I, I hope I saved. There's a video of of Albert Borla being interviewed by Bloomberg over at Davos, and you'll be able to hear a little bit of a difference between what he's what he didn't say to these guys over at Rebel News and what he's willing to talk about with a with a uh, journalist, quote unquote journalist from Bloomberg, who just I mean he was he was practically a fanboy getting Brad Pitt's autograph. Okay, it was it was, it was sad, very sad. But let's play that first. Let's let's go to Carrie Lake. But well, first let's go to a break, and then we'll have Carrie Lake. So stay tuned. Anyone who's familiar with my show or listened to my show before knows that I am a a very huge proponent of preparedness. Uh, I haven't always been. I didn't become a prepper until really 2021. But since then, I've been working diligently to find companies that offer the things that we need. And if the crap hits the fan, I want to be ready for it. And I want you to be ready for it, too. I picked up some sponsors for long-term storage food, for precious metals, for for solar power. I've got a candle sponsor. We've got, you know, uh, antibiotics for for storage, just in case the the pharmaceutical supply chain goes down. We got med kits, nutraceuticals, uh, natural survival. We've got guns and ammo. You can buy them buy them by going to jdrucker.com slash prepare, jdrucker.com slash prepare. Bug out bags, the works. So so stock up now while you still can. Yeah, one of the things that has bummed me out the most, I would say, more than pretty much anything else in this last election cycle, was Arizona. Yes, I got bummed out by by Pennsylvania. Yes, there's several elections that really made me upset, but the one that really just, I mean, just stabbed a dagger into my heart is everything that's been happening in Arizona, and it, the it's continuing because we're seeing so many challenges. What appears to be very obvious and blatant voter fraud. Uh, what appears to be just a system that was corrupt from the beginning that was designed to to fail on behalf of the democrats is crystal clear to those of us who are paying attention and yet we're still getting pushback we're still having challenges getting well getting getting judges to see it the right way i guess today i'm very blessed pleased and honored to have carrie lake coming on with us again to to discuss give us an update and see what's happening out there so carrie how are you doing I'm doing great, JD. It's so good to be back on your show. I always love um, coming on with you. You're a great interviewer, and I'm doing well. I mean, you talked about a dagger through the heart. I, I feel the same way, but but I'm trying to keep my perspective positive because we have, and I don't say had, we have such a massive movement. The movement we created here in Arizona, and it wasn't me, it was we, I just use my God-given abilities to help get the mama bears and papa bears and students and grandparents involved. And it it is so massive 
that they had to cheat in such a big, crazy way that it was just plain obvious. Everyone knows they cheated. Everyone knows that Katie Hobbs didn't win and and that she's a fraud sitting in the governor's office and that the cartels have basically taken over our um, basically taken over our state government. And so now we're in the unfortunate position of having to win again, and this time in a court of law. And we have um, presented our case. I'm sure you probably saw part of it in the uh, Maricopa County courts. And I thought my attorneys did a great job, even though they were only given limited amount that they could pursue in two counts. They did an exceptional job. We put forth exceptional evidence. And unfortunately, the judge didn't rule uh, in the way we wanted him to. So we're moving it into the appellate court where it will, it already is right now. And, um, and we will move it to the Arizona Supreme Court and beyond if we need to. I will not stop fighting this because I know what happened was wrong. And if I stop fighting it, then the people of Arizona really have lost their voice. Yes, they have. And it's not just, you know, let's face it. This is not just about Arizona. This really is about the integrity of elections across the nation. Yours right. is, yours is a, a bellwether, you know, and if, and I'm, I'm not trying to put any undue pressure on you, but <laughs> we've had so many losses in this regard that wow. yours is the, the, the last beacon of hope. So well, I know that you have, there's, there's uh, information coming out tonight. There's more information coming out tomorrow. Is there anything positive? Give, reach out and, and find us, you know, that, that, that glimmer of hope that maybe God is going to say, you know what, it's going to work out. And here's why it's going to work out. What are, what are you seeing on your end? Well, sometimes something that appears very negative is actually a positive. Okay. And look at with President Trump's, um, the, with the stolen election in 2020. If we would have just had an average candidate, we wouldn't have even seen that election fraud, would we have? But we had such a superstar president uh, running against such a deadbeat drip that it was so obvious to many of us. To some people, they still have their head in the sand. And so even though it was painful, it woke us up to the fact that we don't really have elections. We have selections. And that's a very painful pill to swallow, but it's one that we have to swallow and we have to deal with. And now we're in the process of dealing with it and correcting it. Here in my um, situation here in Arizona, we led the greatest political movement the state of Arizona had ever seen. People across the country were following it. People across the globe were actually following our campaign. And the steel had to even be bigger. We have evidence that is, uh, has come to our, um, to come, come to light that is very shocking. I can't get into the details right now because I'm not privy to release it. We're double, triple, quadruple checking it. And I think it's earth shattering evidence in our case. And we're hoping to be able to put that, it, somehow get that to the courts because uh, it is really shocking the levels they went to to cheat. And I believe that when additional evidence comes out, people will wake up, even people who have been um, reluctant to accept that there's any problem or that the problem is big enough to deal with. You know, the people running this election in Maricopa County, it's one of those mega counties where 62% of the state's population lives here. They were Republicans running our, our election here. And they were the kind of Republicans who don't like America first, we the people type Republicans. And they actually are the ones who sabotaged this election. It's it's unfortunate. Um, they ran, by the way, on the side, a super PAC raising tens of thousands of dollars to 
specifically try to bring me down. And here I am on the on the ballot that they are in charge of, and they're trying to bring me down. So um, the conflict of interest, it, it's all being exposed. I wouldn't say it's good news, but sometimes when you see how bad things are, it's enough to wake people up. And then that's when we get the good news. That's when we come together and say, we got to change. And I think that's where we are right now. Well, it's at least it's someplace. You know, I've, I've long said that we can't just rely on winning in the courts, that we also have to win in the court of public opinion. And if we can present the evidence in the proper way, that it is possible to perhaps, again, Lord willing, to perhaps correct the issue through through the people. I'm not talking about revolution. I'm not calling for anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is that if the information starts coming out and if people start getting f- feeling the pressure, and if maybe more whistleblowers come out, maybe people are saying, you know what, I don't like this, this stinks, I'm going to tell the truth, and they start coming to the press. At that point, then we start to get questions answered. And that's, to me, I think that that is, is one ex- additional pathway through which we can go. Now, you mentioned, of course, the uh, the rhinos that you're dealing with. And people think that still here in America that it's Republican versus Democrat. It's not. It's basically, mm. it's America first patriots. It's it's people that love this nation versus the uniparty swamp. And the uniparty swamp, you know, whether it's a third or maybe even half of the uniparty swamp is actually Republicans, okay? I mean, That's let's right. face it. You got Doug Ducey. Doug Ducey is a Republican who was giddy to hand Carrie, uh, not your Carrie, to hand Kate, uh, Hobbs the, the whatever, the governorship. He really yeah. wanted that to happen. And that should oh. tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, you can see it written all over his face. He looked thrilled. He looked beyond thrilled. Um, you're right. I mean, we're, we're having a bit of a battle in the Republican Party and it, it is the uniparty Republicans. Um, uh, sometimes they're called rhinos who don't want, they want status quo. They want, they want this, um, appearance that there are two parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, but there really aren't. And we, we know it. And, and that's why you see these rhinos and they will vote for someone like Joe Biden. Or Katie Hobbs. Now, you cannot tell me you are a Republican with the issues we're facing today that are truly uh, major conservative issues regarding open borders, regarding uh, brainwashing of our, our children in schools, regarding some of the transgender issues that are being forced on our children, um, regarding crime, law and order, things like that, uh, tax issues as well. And these people would vote for Joe Biden. I'm sorry, it's time to hand in your conservative card right now if you're voting for Joe Biden or Katie Hobbs. So they're being revealed as to what they're all about. And again, unfortunately, because we are wide awake to all of this, it's a little bit more painful for us. We go, oh, gosh, can we please get a victory here? But we are getting some victories and we're getting victories as more and more people are becoming aware of the issues. It's going to take more of us to get involved, to bring about the change we need. And and the pressure is great uh, on those of us who are working to improve um, and save our republic, because I know for me, a lot of people have reached out and said, "You are you're the only reason I have hope right now. I've got hope for your case. You you make me feel hopeful, and I don't want to take that hope away. But I also don't want to give people false hope. I truly do have hope that our case will move forward and be victorious, or I wouldn't be involved in it because I know the truth. And I know we have an excellent case. We have great attorneys who are working on it and um, the people are waking up to what's happening. So I am I am devoted to this case and I am, I'm not going to stop fighting until we have, uh, you know, done everything we can to expose what happened. 
we're going to keep fighting with you. How do we help? So, so my audience, we many are in Arizona, but I mean, this is after election day. It's not like we can do any more campaigning. So, what can we do to help? Is there is there a legal fund we can contribute to? Is there uh-huh. is there anybody I, you need us to write letters to? I mean, how can we get involved? What can we do? To I help? love that. You know what? I think it's time that we start reaching out to the fake news, even if we're not watching it. I, God knows, I'm not watching it. But reach out to them anyway. Email them. We don't have to be rude. Just say, why aren't you covering this case? Or tell them, you know, my vote was stolen and I want this case covered. When are you going to start being fair? We need to start pressuring these so-called journalists at our papers, even if we're not watching them and reading them. They need to feel some pressure that they need to start doing the right thing. And send letters and, and emails and phone calls to your lawmakers even the Republicans, even the Democrats, and say, we want honest elections. We know our elections are a sham, and we want honest elections, or we will vote you out. They need to be held accountable. And I'm not suggesting any rudeness. I am not suggesting any threats. I'm suggesting that we overwhelm them with well-written emails or phone, uh, you know, kind phone calls that are pursuing this truth to come out. So that's one thing you can do. If people do want to get involved, I'm, I'm paying um, a lot of legal fees right now. And it's unfortunate. I, I hate, like I said, that I have to fight this in the courts, but if, if I don't do it, who will? And I'm, I'm actually feeling very fortunate that our case has made it to the courts. You know, in 2020, a lot of these cases made it, but they never were heard on merits. They were never heard on, on the evidence. They were thrown out, dismissed left and right on technicalities or standing and things like that. So my case is strong and it's being heard on the evidence. So people could uh, take a look and learn a little bit more about it at Save Arizona Fund, F-U-N-D dot com. And if they want to make a donation, uh, that would be appreciated. I also know that uh, people, you know, not everybody can do that. And so I appreciate prayers and pray for the judges that we get a couple of judges that really see what's at, at stake here. That's great. SaveArizonaFund.com. I definitely encourage people to go there and help out because this, to me, this is their last stand. And as far as the judges hoping that they praying, hoping and praying that they see, I think they see what's happening. And I'm not going to point fingers. I don't want to hurt your case and or insult anybody. But I think that in a lot of cases, not just yours, but but cases that we've seen for the last the last two and a half years, that there's they know they're just yeah. for whatever reason not participating in in the proper judiciary manner i guess is the best way to put it and once and once jd the majority of people are awake to this uh insanity that we call elections which they're not they're selections and you know the judges live in our community with us maybe they had a, a rough time voting Maybe they had their vote thrown into door three. Maybe they watched as uh, on election day. We know this is a fact. We just got this through FOIA. Uh, 179,000 ballots were spit out of, of our tabulator machines that could not be read. 179,000 times a ballot was spit out and couldn't be read. And that's because on election day, the big day, they intentionally printed a 19-inch image instead of a 20-inch image on a 20-inch piece of paper, ballot paper. And when you do that, you cause the tabulator to jam. This was all part of the plan. It caused major problems at the polling places. More than 60% of polling places had major issues, lines of four hours, um, you know, 300,000 ballots that were uh, 
added to the count with no chain of custody. And then two days later, they still didn't, that still wasn't enough. Sabotaging election day, throwing 300,000 phony ballots in, that still wasn't enough to stop our incredible movement. 25,000 additional ballots were mysteriously appeared two days after election day. And guess what? They counted those as well. And they counted 130,000 ballots that had uh, bad signatures They just couldn't find enough invalid ballots to count to beat us because that's how big our movement of We the People is. They had to do it as a highway robbery in broad daylight. And speaking of being a highway robbery, here's my question for you. And you might you may not be able to answer this. Keep in mind, you know, audience has to keep in mind you're still in the middle of litigation. So so our goal here is to win the case, not to not to get bombshells or, or whatever for for my show. With that said, my question for you that you may or may not want to answer, is this a an isolated thing? Like, is this basically, is there just a handful of, of evil people doing evil things and trying to steal elections? Or do you think this is a widespread, m- massive widespread uh, group, organization, or even gr- series of organizations that are working to subvert elections in the United States and specifically in Arizona? Is it big? Is it little? What's your call? So are, are people are people conspiring? Is it a big conspiracy? Um, and by that, I mean people conspiring to work together. I think it's so massive that it would be hard for just to be a couple people. I think it is a lot more than just a few people. Um, that's my gut. Um, with the information we're going to be putting out, you know, as we're as we're triple checking it is uh, I, I think it's absolutely stunning. And I, I look forward to coming back on and and um, and getting that information out. I I do believe it will be information that wakes people up. But I I have to say this, a lot of the information that's come out has been stunning to me. I mean, look what they did in Wisconsin. And when they when we saw that 103% of the nursing home uh patients voted, 103%, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then we found out the condition that these poor men and women were in. They many of them had been 10 years, they didn't even know the, their own name or the name of their children anymore. They couldn't feed themselves. They obviously couldn't vote and they voted. To me, that was pretty earth shattering. And the mainstream media ignores it. And so now with with Twitter opening up, we need to start resharing some of that stuff because it never got shared the first go around. Um, But, you know, there's just so much coming out. There's so much fraud because what's happening is the policies they're pushing are so destructive. Nobody wants them. This isn't a 50-50 United States. 50% want this kind of crazy stuff and 50 don't. Very few people really want those policies, the globalist policies, the open border policies, the brainwashing of our children policies, the wokeism. Very few people want that. So they have to create this uh, imaginary scenario that it's 50-50 when in fact it's not. I've never actually heard that before. I mean, I've thought it, and and it, it seems obvious, but sure. I think it's more it 70, like 70, 30. Probably. I mean, I, I believe we won. I mean, we won on election day, 75% of the vote. That's what our polling was showing. And that's a huge, huge upset. That's not a close race, but I, we know how it works. All the polls leading up are, many of them are bogus and, you know, it's just a matter of, of waking a few more people up to what's really going on. Hopefully we'll be able to do that. And hopefully you'll be able to come back on here very soon. I know we've got some some great information. This is going to air technically on Wednesday. So 
you're going to get some information Tuesday night. Maybe we can get you back on later this week or next week to to talk further great. about your case. Awesome. Well, here's what's Carrie here's Lake. what's happening. Real oh, quick please. tonight, uh, tonight, yeah, um, the defense is going to be. Uh, you know, we we've got the case in the appellate court. They've got until tonight to basically present their rebuttal, and then we have about a week to respond to that. And then the three judge appellate uh, bench will, I, I think I'm saying that right, will uh, take a look at all of the evidence. And one of the criticisms we took was, why didn't you put voters on the stand in your case? We, we know you had so many people who were done wrong, who waited in line. Well, we would have loved to have. And we had a thousand pages of signed declarations under penalty of perjury from voters and from people who were wronged and had their vote uh, disenfranchised. Uh, unfortunately, we only were given five hours to prove our case. And so we were able to take all of those declarations and admit them as evidence into the court. So they are part of the case. I don't want people to worry that we didn't get real people who were affected. We did get their signed declarations and the judges will be looking at that as well. Very good. We, yeah, we definitely need to get an update from that. So Carrie Lake, and it was, it's SaveArizonaFund.com. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. Thank you, J.D. Save Arizona Fun. Carrie Lake, we'll talk to you hopefully very soon. God bless you. Thank you. My good friend, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, he left us way too early. So sad that he is gone, uh, but his legacy does continue. We do still support his foundation. We still support his company that is still benefiting. The, the masses across the world, those who have either been jabbed or maybe you've been been um, exposed to those who may be shedding on you. That's uh, becoming more and more likely as being the case. The more times you're jabbed, the worse off you are and the more you're likely to shed on others. Now, even if you've never been jabbed, you're not around other people very often, you should still consider getting Z-Detox or Z-Stack Life Protocol, either one. Both of them will help your immune system. It's been demonstrated by scientists, demonstrated by doctors, including Dr. Zeb Zelenko. So go to zstacklife.com slash freedom. That's zstacklife.com slash freedom and get Z-Detox or Z-Stack Life Protocol today. So while you guys were watching Carrie Lake, I was... Scurrying through the internet, trying to find that that softball interview from Bloomberg that I found the, with Albert Borla, and I was able to find it. I'm going to play it now again. I, I almost don't want to because I was watching it again while you guys were watching Carrie Lake, and I was thinking, yeah, you know, it's am I participating in their propaganda by by letting him answer these questions because the dude's very slick, okay? I mean, when you give him a, obviously not slick when he's talking to the real journalists over at Rebel News, or not talking to them as they're they're trying to huff and puff and scurry along with him, but, you know, talk, sitting down talking to a Bloomberg journalist, of course, Michael Bloomberg is one of the biggest globalists in the world, one of the richest globalists in the world, uh, so getting these softball questions, he's very comfortable, and I, I almost debated, you know what, it's, he makes compelling arguments, right, what if my audience... What if somebody in there is is sitting there nodding their head and listening to him? Then I thought to myself, what are you crazy? This is this is my audience. This is the JD Rucker show audience. None of them are gonna buy this crap. 
So <laughs> temporarily, I thought, oh, I don't want to spread propaganda. But you know what? You guys will see through this. You guys will see through the gaslighting. So here is Albert Borla being interviewed by some some really teenage girl fan, essentially, with Bloomberg, asking him questions that enable him to spread his propaganda, knowing that hopefully you will be able to, to see right through it. There's been an issue, obviously, with COVID in China. They are reopening now. They have some level of infection. But you also have some dealings there, particularly with Paxlovid. Where do you stand with Paxlovid in China right now? Right now, the authorities, they would like to get as much as they can. And we are sending them Paxlovid. We have seen the last uh, one month a uh, few millions of, of doses that they are distributed immediately in all channels in China, and they're making a very big difference. Is there any move from China to go to mRNA vaccine? Not the Paxlova treatment, but the vaccine? I don't know. I think, and I have heard, that they do have some companies that they're doing their own local mRNA versions, but I don't have more information about it. So, obviously, you've been enormously successful. You would be on tech in the vaccine. And thank you, by the way, as somebody who's received it. Thank you for saying that. Uh, What comes next on vaccine specifically for COVID? Uh, What about variations for some of the variations we're seeing coming out? Are you developing those, and where are you in that process? Uh, Every time there's a variation, we have a standard process that we isolate the virus. We try to see if the virus, the variant, escapes the protection of our vaccine. If we have suspicion that it might, we start working like if we are going to make a vaccine. Many of the variants disappear, Hmm. so they are not an issue anyway. But if some start growing then we are not losing time because we have already prepared those steps. And, and but you haven't found one yet to get around, to get you around know, the vaccine? You know, always we find, and we discuss the, the, the data with authorities, but the ones that will make this decision is not Pfizer or Moderna or any manufacturer. It is CDC and FDA, it is uh, the European authorities, it is the Israeli authorities, it is the health authorities of any country that will ask, we, based on the data, we want you to make this vaccine as a new what about the duration of the vaccine? I mean, I've gotten, I think, two or three boosters now to the initial vaccine. Yeah. It lasts a while. Are we going to have to get it every year, or are you developing something that might actually last longer? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't last the current ones, and also doesn't last the disease. For example, if you get disease, you can get disease again after three months with the same even variant, not even absent a change of the variant. That's why it's very difficult for this virus to eradicate. I don't think it will. Uh, But uh, we are working to see if we can get an annual vaccine. An annual vaccine will be ideal because people will remember they can do it with other vaccinations like flu and can can last. Okay, flu, you raised it. Where are you in developing? Because I know, I think that's what you were originally doing with BioNTech. You were developing mRNA for flu. Where are you on a flu vaccine based on mRNA? Oh, the studies are running. They have completely recruited. We are waiting for cases as they accumulate. means that people have been vaccinated placebo, vaccine, and the, the disease, some of them will get disease. And then we are waiting to unblind the data to see what is coming. I think will come in the, this year, in 23. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, you can't guarantee a timeline, depending on the clinical trials. No, because but, but you, your best guess, what would you think? Uh, I think uh, by the first half of the year, maybe. First half of the year? Yeah, June, July. Wow. And, and so are, how far are we away from one vaccine that's both COVID and flu together? First, we need to have a flu. <laughs> and uh, if we have a flu, already we started uh, uh, experiments to combine the two uh, so that we don't lose time again. Uh, I think we'll come more or less all together if it is successful. So you've been very successful with the COVID vaccine uh, and it, I think has returned a fair amount to your top line and your bottom line. But what about the rest of your business? How are you developing other pharmaceuticals actually come and take up some of that? Uh, thank you for asking, because indeed this is the most pivotal 
year for Pfizer. Uh, starting this month and for the next 18 months, we are launching 19 new medical products. 19. There was never a company in the pharmaceutical company, and us, of course, that we undertook such, uh, such an operation. 19 different products in 18, different month, in 18 months. Uh, they cover vaccines, five, two new medicines for cancer, one for lymphoma, the other for prostate cancer, two for metabolic diseases. Uh, so it's a very broad uh, range of, of products, and we are going to be very, very busy the next 18 months. Very busy. As you say, it's critical. When will you have a sense of how those do? You know, when you launch a product, typically, there's a very high correlation in the first twelve months how that will do for the entire year. In the six months, also a very strong correlation. So usually in the six months, you get a good feeling when things are moving. So one of the issues with the COVID vaccine uh, has been some of the developing countries. Uh, some countries have been left behind. By the way, it's not limited to pharmaceuticals, not limited to COVID. There's a problem in general about that in the world. Mm-hmm. But specifically when it comes to what you're doing, I know you have something called the Accord. Tell us about that. I will tell you the Accord. But also just to clarify, for the vaccines, particularly our vaccine, uh, those all countries in the world were offered completely free through a brave uh, move that uh, the government made, the U.S. government, they bought one billion doses from us at cost, and they offered it for free to the world. Unfortunately, they were not able to absorb it because there is no demand mm. for those vaccines, in, unfortunately, in the poorest of the countries. But nevertheless, that gave us uh, uh, the whole story with, with COVID, sensitized even more. So nine months ago, here in Davos, we launched an accord where we said that Pfizer will offer all the patent protected products, which means the products that uh, uh, manuf- generic manufacturers cannot make uh, cheap copies. At cost, and we say at cost is manufacture and send. No regulatory, no compliance, no legal, no administrative, no research. To 1.2 billion people living in the 45 poorest countries of the world. That happened in nine months ago, and already by the end of the year we had sent sending uh, products to some of these countries. What we did yesterday was an uh, even more historic move. We announced not all our patent protected, but all our products. This moves the list from 23 products to over 500. Wow. So it's not just the ones patent, uh, patent protected. It's Everything all of products. Because we were hearing when we were, when we were give, for example, would give them maybe the most prescribed breast cancer medicine in the world, high technology. But they would say, we have also needs for antibiotics, we have needs for antiparasitics, we have needs for anesthetics or basic chemotherapy. And uh, we have them and then we do everything. I must say, that sounds wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It is wonderful. Why did you do it? Because we ought to do it. I don't think it is, there is no reason why the poorest countries in the world right now won't have access to the same medicines that uh, kids in America or in France are having. One of the reasons I think Pfizer has been as successful has been because there's been investment in science, basically. What about larger for the U.S. government and other governments? Are we investing enough in basic R&D? Could that help you? I think it would help. And I think there is a lot of work happening, particularly in the U.S. And this is why in the U.S. has attracted all the research investments of the private sector. If you see what is going on, even uh, companies that are European companies are doing most of their uh, research in the U.S., because this is where things are happening. I think uh, it is the crown jewel of the U.S. industry, the life sciences. You know healthcare so terribly well, Dr. Borley. Let me ask you what you think the biggest challenge is. Is it actually having the, the drugs, the pharmaceuticals, to administer, or is it actually the infrastructure to get it delivered? You mentioned earlier that you actually couldn't get some of the COVID vaccines in some countries that needed it. No, there is no doubt. In Africa, it is not the availability 
of the products. Of course, you need to have them, and you need to have them in prices that you can pay. But once you resolve that, which we just did, uh, you are going to have very big problems with infrastructure. You don't have the right uh, healthcare professionals to administer, to make the diagnosis. Uh, this is where we should help. This is where we should help. Us included, but also the U.S. government with, through USAID, uh, other organizations that uh, they aim to improve health and improve the health inequities. This is where we should focus our attention now. WHO yeah. is doing a fantastic job, WHO. This is where we should all partner together. I am very glad that Albert Borla, CEO of Pfizer, did mention the WHO there at the end. You know, it's, I put out a show. I've actually put out two similar shows about this, but I put out a show the other day that uh, it, it went very popular across some of the networks because not only was as as a good show on a good topic, but also you had uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and some other prominent figures reposting it on their social media. So it did draw in a, quite a bit of attention. And essentially, it was saying, look, the the demand for vaccines is down. The the truth is coming out. People are getting more skeptical. And so, you know, I thought I think that that. Uh, that people are going to, or that the powers that be are going to try to initiate something else. We already know that the pandemic treaty is on its way, that digital IDs, the digital dollar, the you know, vaccine status, digital reports, and and blacklists and all that stuff, that these these things are coming. Okay. Unfortunately, judging by the comments, the everybody latched on to the the idea oh you know normies are waking up yay you know they, they they took this as good news and that part is good news i want to be clear but as i said in that in, in that show you know it's good news and bad news it's good news because yay we do obviously there's good news when when people are are finally starting to hear the truth at least part portions of the truth this is something we've been pushing for for the last three years of course you know, getting the truth out there as much as possible. So that's good news. But everybody seemed to hone in on that part and skip the next part, which is the bad news. The bad news is this means, in my humble opinion, and I'm right, so you can argue with me if you want, but you'll lose. In my humble opinion, this means they're going to double down, triple down, quadruple down. They're not going to give up on this. Oh, you know, oh, look, people are starting to to catch on that we were lying to them. I guess we better better go pack it in and and move to our hideout in New Zealand or something. No, that's not what they're going to do. They're going to double down, triple down, quadruple down. And back to the World Economic Forum, here's Tony Blair briefly explaining one of the ways that they're going to double, triple, quadruple down. Um, and notice you'll, there's a key word that you'll hear uh, that he says, key phrase, he's talking about the next vaccines, not the current vaccines. He's talking about the next vaccines. They know it's coming, and so should you. So watch this. I think there's a huge impetus now for a national digital infrastructure. Digitization in, in healthcare is, I think, one of the great game changers. You know, we should be helping countries to develop a national digital infrastructure, which they will need with these new vaccines. And then, you know, finally, it, it, it's, it's also about showing people and showing the political leadership that you can make a positive difference to your healthcare system by adopting these measures because they've got a they've got an impact beyond any particular disease and or or, or pandemic a national digital infrastructure and eventually that will be turning into a global 
digital infrastructure. And when I say eventually, it's already in the works. Okay, they work it backwards. Don't forget, this is how the global silica ball works. They go from their end goal and they figure they they build the steps to get to there. Okay, so they they don't build up steps to to get to the top of the mountain. They start at the top of the mountain and they build those steps downward. Okay, it makes a difference because it means that no matter what happens along the way, they'll get to their goal. You know, when we as we as people, we might build our steps in life, for example. We might say, okay, so first I'm going to go get good grades in high school. Then I'm going to go to college. We might have our, our eye on the ball of, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a doctor, and then I'm going to be a chief chief of medicine at some Boston hospital or whatever. That could be your, your life goal, right? So you get good grades in high school, and then you go to a good college, and then you get your degree, and you go to grad school, and you get, you get your, your, your uh, PhD, and you go through all your clinicals, and you work your way up. And along the way, you know, you're building your steps upward to try to get to that goal. But along the way, you might decide or something might happen. Maybe you didn't get good grades in high school. Maybe while you were in college, you, you fell in love with, with acting. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we, we just had Dean Kane on earlier. You know, Dean Kane, he did not want to be an actor. This is a guy who was raised by a Hollywood director and he had no intentions of becoming an actor. Okay. Well, everybody else was, was out there. You know, a lot of his friends, he went to high school with like, like Sean Penn and, and, uh, uh Charlie Sheen. They're all going to like, like, acting classes and stuff like that. And he's like, no, 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 I'm just going to play pro football. So he did. He, we went, he went to Princeton and he, he did his thing at Princeton. He set records at Princeton and he was, he, uh, he was signed by the Buffalo bills. And right before, right before the, uh, the first preseason game in his rookie season, they, he blew out his knee. Okay. So his pathway had to change. They don't work like that. The global elite cabal, again, they work it backwards. They start with where they want to get to. So they already have, I assure you, they already have this global digital infrastructure in place. But how do they get there now? Now they have their their top step, the way they work their way down is to try to get everybody on board with these national digital infrastructure. And that that phrase should should truly send, I mean, just send chills up your spine. Because we're not just talking about digital ID. We're just not not just talking about digital passport. We're not just talking about digital registries or, you know, uh, vaccine registries or medical registries or whatever. We're talking about the whole thing. When they say digital, national digital infrastructure and eventually global digital infrastructure, what they're saying is this, that this person, you, me, this person will have an ID that is universal for everything. If they want money, they want to access their money, they'll have to use their, their digital ID. If they want to go go out and use that money to go buy a tofu burger, then they'll have to use that digital ID and the money within their, their, their digital money, within their digital bank account, okay? They're, they're, they'll be spending their digital dollars, but they have to show their digital ID to show they got the vaccines as... Tony Blair's talking about show. Oh, look, you know, looks like you're you're uh, you're two months behind on your on your fourteenth booster jab, and you haven't gotten your your mRNA flu vaccine yet either this season. So so no tofu burger for you, infidel. I think I've got the topic for my next show. <laughs> We're gonna have to get into this because. Yeah, I've been studying it for for a little while, um, not nearly long enough. I I am behind the curve, I would say, but but I, I'm a quick learner, so we will get caught up on all of that. 
quick show note again sometime within the next one to two weeks we will be launching the new show and going to set times at 2 p.m pacific time and uh 9 p.m pacific time of course you can always catch me at america out loud talk radio at 8 p.m uh and i said pacific time those are all eastern times i am so bad at promoting my damn show i gotta get better at that lord willing i will be back very soon with another episode of this damn show but in the meantime you all stay strong Stay safe and God bless.